Hey everybody, it's Krista. Before I go ahead and get into this week's episode, I wanted to issue a very big trigger warning. In this week's episode, I'm going to be discussing things related to eating disorders, body dysmorphia, and diet culture. So by no means do I want to trigger anyone or upset anyone, bring on any types of negative thoughts that could lead to self-harm. So if this is a topic that could negatively impact you, I encourage you maybe listen to another episode or take a week off from listening to the podcast. I know this topic is very challenging and has a lot of nuance to it, but I'm going to do my best to give my own perspective and talk about it in a way that is helpful and brings good to this conversation. So with that, let's go ahead and get into it. Hey guys, welcome back to the Daydream and Listen podcast. My name is Krista. I hope that you guys are all doing wonderful and that you're having a really great day so far. I'm doing pretty good myself. I feel like I'm having a bit of deja vu because I am going back to the airport yet again. It is a very busy time of year because, you know, everybody's traveling, the holidays, whatnot. So I'm getting ready to leave soon to go to the airport. I'm going to be spending some time back at my parents' house with them. I'm going back to the old small town and um, I'm excited. Honestly, like I used to get so pretentious anytime I would leave New York and go back to my hometown because like back in college, I was just like, oh my God, I left all of these people and now I'm coming back there. Like, you know, I've moved on with my life and whatever. But I've realized that I just, I genuinely enjoy getting a bit of a break from the city life and just spending some good quality time with the people I love. Life in my hometown is so much more slowed down, so I'm going to try to take advantage of that and enjoy that. Um, And also my perspective on like potentially running into old classmates I think has changed a lot. I know this time of year, like it seems like a lot of people end up going back to their hometowns to spend Thanksgiving or whatever time with their family. And there's always like this impending impending doom of like, oh my God, I might run into an old classmate. Like it might be awkward. And I've kind of just gotten to the point where I really don't care I don't really mind if I run into them. Like, I mean, obviously there's certain people that I'm like, eh, I would, I'd prefer not to run into them. But if there are indeed some people I run into, it's, I don't know. I'm not going to make it this huge awkward thing. It's sort of just like, hey, have you been? You know, I, I will say one thing about me. I am, I don't know if this is a blessing or a curse, but I can never, like I, for whatever reason, can't forget certain people that I went to school with. I went to a pretty small high school. I graduated with about 90 kids in my class. So I virtually knew everybody in my class and then nearly everybody in the entire high school building. And I just, I have this type of memory where I remember like hyper specific details about people. I remember their first and last name. I remember if we had a class together, like I cannot shake some of those things. Now, granted, there's like some people that it's a little bit more fuzzy on the details, but um, I I cannot hide or deny 
if I see someone, like, I'm not gonna be like, oh, I don't know who that is. I can't pretend because I truly do know who they are. Um, but anyways, we will see how it's gonna go. I'm just, listen, my one thing, the outfits have to be serving, all right? I am Miss City Girl, like, I, I'm Miss Fashion New York girly. I have to be looking good. The outfits have to be looking good. Not that I like need to impress people I went to school with, but you know, I take this as an opportunity to not just show up wearing sweats and a t-shirt and be comfy. Like I want to keep dressing the way that I dress in New York when I go back to my small town. So that's the energy. We're keeping the same energy no matter what state we're in, all right? But anyways, I think that should be good. So I hope if you are traveling, if you are spending the Thanksgiving holiday with family, that it goes well and that you enjoy yourself. And, you know, take some time. Be grateful. Enjoy the fall season. Enjoy the yummy food. Oh, that's another thing. I recently had a Friendsgiving with my friends. And this was my, I want to say second or third time hosting a Friendsgiving. And... This one was so much fun. My roommate and I did majority of the cooking. We had some friends come over and they brought some extra food, which is amazing. Um, but I was responsible for making like roasted sweet potatoes, like little um, like chopped up bits of sweet potatoes, mashed potatoes, pumpkin pie, and I made a dessert charcuterie board. And... I was just in my element. I was a little nervous because, you know, cooking a lot and like preparing your space, like it can, it can take a lot out of you. But I truly love hosting. I love like putting together parties and whatnot. Like that stuff is truly right up my alley. And okay, if you are a baking girly, if you're looking for some baking tips, I discovered this new pumpkin pie, some new pumpkin pie making hacks. Um, so I'll just briefly share them if you are trying to make a pumpkin pie this Thanksgiving season. So number one, I have made my own crust before and it's not the easiest thing, I will admit. Like to get the consistency and everything right, like it's it's a little difficult. So I just went with the store-bought crust this year and that was, you know, the easiest way to go about things. So whenever you lay your crust in your pie pan, what I like to do is drizzle a little bit of vanilla extract. Not too much, because as the Brits say, you don't want a soggy bottom with your pie. You don't want it to get like too soggy and gross and whatnot. So just a little bit of vanilla extract, all right? You can take like a back of a spoon or if you have one of those like butter brushes and brush it on the base of your pie. And then I like to make a cinnamon sugar combo mix it all up together, and then I sprinkle the cinnamon sugar on the base of the pie, like the pie crust. So I don't know if it adds a whole lot to the flavor profile of the pie, but I think it's a nice little extra touch because sometimes I feel like the crust can just feel like very bland and dry. So add a little spice to it and, you know, it's great. Then when you're making your pumpkin pie filling, I feel like it's so easy. You just like mix a bunch of your ingredients together and boom, that's it. And I found that most pumpkin pie recipes said whisk all of your ingredients together for the pumpkin pie filling. But I tried something different this year, mostly because I don't own a whisk, which I know is criminal because I love to bake. 
but I decided to blend all of my pumpkin pie ingredients together. And I truly think that is the way to go. It made the filling so much more fluffy. And I don't know if it's just like the whipped consistency that I really like, but I felt like the pie tasted so much better than any other pumpkin pie I've ever made before. So yeah, whip all your ingredients together in your blender and it'll just be like a more airy, fluffy pie. And then yeah, I just bake it for like a little bit longer than it normally requires. Like if it says 28 minutes, I'll leave it in for like 32. Um, just because I like it to, you know, be a little bit extra, not crispy, but like I don't like an undone pie. So those are my baking hacks for this holiday season. Um, but yeah, that's that. Love Thanksgiving. I am maybe going to start watching some Christmas movies here and there. Maybe, you know, start decorating my apartment when I get back to the city. But all in all, very thankful and very excited for this time of year. Um, that aside, today's episode, this week's episode, is a bit of a doozy. It's something that I always just, I'm like, oh my god, like, I don't know, do I talk about this? Do I not talk about this? Um, I've made an episode of Daydream and Listen where I've talked about my own health journey. I've opened up and I've talked about my previous experiences with eating disorders But, um, you know, with that episode, I thought this is kind of going to be a one and done type thing. I'm going to open up and I'm going to share about this very personal, unfortunately, a very extensive part of my life. And that's just kind of going to be it. But um, interestingly enough, because this podcast is sort of just like a hodgepodge of things that I like to discuss, um, I discuss things that are trendy. If it's like a fashion trend, a cultural trend. I like to talk about things that are just like in the zeitgeist, things that I'm coming across on a consistent basis if I have a a thought or opinion about them that I want to share. And I'm sure many of you have been seeing over the past however many months this whole wave of people talking about thinness being a trend and thin is in and people talking about how, you know, the styles, the fashion styles of the early 2000s and the late 90s have been super trendy and now all of a sudden the body type that was popular during that time is becoming trendy again. And I was just, you know, seeing headline after headline and things on social media about this and I was like, I have to talk about this. Like I really don't want to because it's a very heavy, nuanced, difficult topic to tackle it's it's very it's very difficult to tackle it in one podcast episode um because like there's just so much to say about it um but i i thought that you know it'd be good for me to talk about this it's something i wanted to talk about because i i am very passionate about this having had lots of experience with eating disorders and you know firsthand experience with eating disorders i feel like I don't know I think when people go through something that's very personal and something that has impacted their life a lot and it seems like you have a lot of experience or firsthand experience with something if what I've been through can like if I can speak about what I've been through and that can help bring awareness to how severe EDs are then I 
don't think I should shy away from talking about this. I think I'd be doing myself and others a disservice by not being so explicit with how how intense these are. It's not something that should be seen as a trend. It's not something that should be aestheticized or romanticized. So I'm going to be getting into my thoughts on all of this. I've tried to construct my thoughts a little bit and then I want to like go into more of like my opinions and like me just speaking off the cuff about things that I've been witnessing and noticing. So let's go ahead and get straight into that. So beginning this past spring, I began to notice this rise in people talking about certain celebrities, certain celebrities' bodies, I should say, and how noticeably thin they had gotten. So to be explicit, some of these celebrities are like Kim Kardashian and Belle Hadid and Khloe Kardashian. And personally, I feel very weird speculating things about other people's bodies. And I also feel very weird speculating things about celebrities because I feel like it's nearly impossible to have a full insight and understanding as to what's going on in anybody's lives and especially a celebrity's life. Also, when it comes to someone's body and their health, I regard those things as very personal. So it feels weird to be demanding to know someone's weight. Did they have a certain surgery done to them? Are they on certain types of medication? Um, You know, how often do they work out? What do they eat? All of these types of things. I feel a little weird demanding that from them or that like our culture is demanding that from them. However, I do understand the other side of this argument that these individuals have immense influence and can often use their platforms to further these rhetorics and narratives that can negatively impact our culture. And even if it's not a celebrity's intent to spread ED and diet culture narratives, I think it's incumbent on them to have some self-awareness and understanding as to how people are reacting to what they're putting out there. And if that celebrity, you know, doesn't have enough time in their day and can't simply see and hear um, what people are saying about them online or, you know, if they posted something or if they said something in an interview and now all of a sudden it's causing all of this buzz and people are talking about, um, you know, how what they said is negatively impacting people um, or how it's spreading ED narratives or diet culture narratives, if they cannot be that self-aware, I would hope that someone on their team can speak to them and say, hey, so-and-so, something you said in this interview, something you said in like a statement you gave to someone or something you said on TV or something you posted, it is causing a lot of this conversation surrounding eating disorders and body dysmorphia and um, diet culture and things like that. Can we like, you know, unpack that maybe a little bit? Because you you are a very popular figure and you do have a lot of impact on individuals, whether you would like to believe it or not. And that's a whole nother topic, like some celebrities downplaying how impactful they are and how relevant they are. And I think a lot of celebrities do that because they want to come off as modest and humble. And I understand, you know, wanting to maintain humility, But I also think it's 
it's not the best to be like to not acknowledge that what you say is very powerful and what you put out there is very powerful um if you are one of these huge celebrities who has like a massive following so sorry i'm getting a little sidetracked I also began to hear a lot of discourse surrounding the return of low-rise fashion silhouettes and how the return of these silhouettes was making a lot of people nervous and they thought that thinness would become a popular aspiration again and sort of reminiscent of how it was in the 90s and the early 2000s. And back in the spring, I began having conversations with my friends about the quote return of thinness and quote thinness becoming a trend again. And since then, I have seen a rise in ED disguise content across TikTok, as well as digital publications, amplifying and bringing attention to this, quote, growing trend. And to me, it's interesting because I feel like this current wave of fashion and lifestyle trends, it's sort of this hybrid of early 2000s and the early 2010s. So to me, The fashion and the lifestyle trends are a hybrid of Y2K meets Tumblr. It's like those two aesthetics merge together and that's what we are currently dealing with. So for the past couple of years, fashion's macro trend has been Y2K. And I feel like we're now starting to see a shift away from Y2K and we're now going towards this like Tumblr, indie sleaze type of aesthetic. And many fashion trends are not only influenced by cyclical fashion, but they can also be influenced by cyclical history and cultural narratives. It's not surprising that when people want to envelop themselves in Y2K and Tumblr aesthetics, that they then desire to embody the attitudes and the lifestyles that were popular at the same time as the fashion. And while I understand the return of people dressing like they're like they're in a 2000s rom-com or they're some edgy Tumblr girl, I just I can't seem to comprehend that in these current times when technology and information are so much more accessible, why are people still diving into the same unhealthy behavioral patterns? Like first of all, I I don't think Well, how do I say this? First of all, I think a lot of blame gets put on individuals for eating disorders or for having an obsession over dieting and weight loss. Um, I I don't really think that's fair because I think there are massive publications, corporations, and powerful individuals who benefit from creating and perpetuating people's insecurities like an everyday person's insecurities. And if, here's the thing, if you don't think that a big publication or a corporation or even a powerful individual is benefiting from, you know, tapping into your insecurities or aestheticizing your insecurities, they are, babes. They are. And it's sad. It is so sad because when you start to unpack, you know, well, why do I feel enticed to buy these certain products? Why do I feel enticed to dress a certain way? And I don't, why do I feel like I can't dress a certain way if I don't look like a certain person? Why is it that certain individuals have become so much more popular? Is it because we're just so obsessed as a culture with looking a certain way and they have this certain look? And 
why are certain things becoming a meme and becoming a joke and becoming, um, you know, sought after on social media? Why does certain content content get super popular? And why do I want to make this content? Is it because I want to get super popular? Like, it's important to ask ourselves these questions because I feel like when we start to question question these things, we get to the root of this problem. And I think when you start to do that, you realize that the problem isn't really all, it's not always coming from the individual themselves. It's usually coming from these publications and these corporations and people who have so much more power and resources than some everyday average person. I recently came across the New York Post article that was titled, Bye Bye Booty, Heroin Chic is Back. To me, this title suggests that someone's body shape is a trend. And this is a topic that I feel so passionately about because in college, I took a super fascinating class called the Anthropology of Fashion. And in this course, we had a unit called the Fashion and the Body. And this was all about how fashion's original purpose was to protect our bodies, you know, keep us warm in the cold, protect our skin from elements in nature. But now it seems like fashion and the body are these interchangeable things to one another. The clothes we outfit ourselves are an extension to our beings and vice versa. And, you know, I agree with the whole sentiment that fashion is this way of visually expressing someone's personality and it can be this vehicle to convey messages. However, I don't like this idea that fashion is so closely tied to our bodies that we see our bodies the same way we see fashion, like the same way we see fashion trends. And this idea that someone's body shape can be revered and then discarded the same way we view fashion trends, to me, that's disgusting. In modern Western society, it's it's so gross that people are obsessed with aestheticizing a body part the same way we aestheticize an inanimate article of clothing. So I ended up reading this New New York Post article, and I think a lot of people just looked at that headline, read it, and then they made up their minds on what the article would have contained. But I I decided to read the article because I was like, all right, what is this about? And to me, it was incredibly spineless. It made a point of bringing awareness in this, quote, growing trend, but it seems as though the journalists cannot recognize that their entire framework of the article is so unethical if they're viewing bodies as trends. To me, the way the article is written, it just perpetuates the problem. So rather than write the article as if bodies can be treated like fashion trends, I feel like the journalists could have acknowledged that their research, because the article was full of research, it was showing these different things, I feel like they could have shown that their research suggests that certain types of digital content and lifestyle choices have become more popular in time, and then they could have interviewed professionals who specialize in treating eating disorders, and professionals who are, who specialize in understanding the mental health of young adults, and they could have then provided all these resources and insights onto why we're seeing this type of shift and how we can push back against this harmful shift. But 
they didn't do that. They just went for, you know, the thing that would catch people's eye and the article was not constructive in any way. It wasn't doing anybody favors. It was just pointing out and like just shining a spotlight on like, hey guys, so-and-so looks like this now. And by having catchy titles like heroin chic is back, what good is that doing for society? It's only benefiting the New York Post because it's a catchy title that is going to draw people's eyes to their publication. All they're doing is making light of the shock value that eating disorders and talking about diet culture, like all they're doing is capitalizing on that and capitalizing on the shock value that those things garner. And I also think it's not just the New York Post and other publications that have been doing a bad job of writing about this. It's apps like TikTok. I don't think they're doing a good enough job of policing eating disorders and unhealthy diet culture that just circulates all throughout their app. And in the New York Post article, they actually mentioned that the hashtag thinspo has been banned from TikTok. But guess what, TikTok? The people who are being impacted by EDs and are wanting to spread their eating disorder content online, they're not stupid. They've gotten more clever in disguising their hashtags. So they can still put out harmful content under hashtags that aren't hashtag thinspo. Hashtags like Ed not Sheeran, meaning Ed like ED eating disorder, and even hashtags that are Ed Sheeran, um, like thinking you think that you would click on that hashtag and it would be like concert videos from an Ed Sheeran concert, but no, it is harmful content disguised to be ed- disguised um, in a way that's not Ed Sheeran content. It's disguised to be a harmful eating disorder type of video or the photo mode slideshow that TikTok has now. Um, and also the hashtag weight loss tips. These are all things that people are using to discreetly spread their toxic messages. And I don't think it's just it it's just about, you know, let's ban all of these bad hashtags. I don't think that's going to mitigate the problem on TikTok. The types of content that I viewed whenever I was in the throes of my eating disorder, I am now seeing the same things just repackaged in a modern way on TikTok. You know, like I mentioned a little bit ago, the photo mode feature. I love that feature. I think it's really cool. And I think it's interesting to see that TikTok is bringing images onto their platforms. Like they're kind of stealing or not stealing, but like they're kind of taking an element of Instagram and implementing it onto their video platform. But it is not great that a lot of people are using that feature to spread and kind of disguise very triggering, very toxic imagery these disgusting visuals that can incite and romanticize people to develop an eating disorder. It's awful. And what is TikTok doing about it? Not enough. I've come across so many of these types of videos and photo mode, I don't even know what you would call them, like pieces of content, and they have millions of views on them, hundreds and thousands of likes And so many comments of people engaging with it being like, I needed this. I'm saving this. Like, this is, thanks, this is going to help my eating disorder. 
This is, this is fueling my inspiration. This is just a reminder to me to keep going with this. And every time I come across these videos, I report them. I don't know how much me reporting them is going to do in dismantling this type of toxic content, but it is just, to me, it's showing that, okay, if 2 million people have viewed this video, TikTok clearly is not doing a good enough job of mitigating this harmful content because the second you look at this content, there's no there's no way you can argue that this is not harmful content. It is. There's no way that you can be like, well, you could argue that it's like this type of aesthetic or it's this type of thing. No, it's toxic eating disorder content that people are romanticizing eating disorders and then putting it, you know, behind some Lana Del Rey sped up song. And I like Lana Del Rey, but you know, you know what I mean? People like put those things together and it's just, it's a nightmare. Also, I think it's interesting that this idea of like clean eating and even the clean girl aesthetic, to me, those are just glorified versions of orthorexia. And that might be a hot take. And I know, you know, everyone who participates in the, uh, in the clean girl aesthetic, it's not a monolith. People take bits and pieces of like clean girl and they use it however they want to. But I think a lot of what you see on TikTok that is the clean girl aesthetic, to me, it is just glorified orthorexia. And I'm saying this as someone who has had orthorexia. So, you know, I have a little bit of experience and I feel like I can, I can point that out. I can point, like I can call a spade a spade because I've, I've seen this type of stuff. I've been down that road before. And also, I think the last thing that people want to do whenever they are experiencing an eating disorder or they are being affected by this kind of stuff, they don't want to admit it. They want to push it down and be like, no, no, like I'm just, I just lost some weight. I've just developed better eating habits or different eating habits, or I'm taking care of my body more, or, you know, they want to, they don't want to call it what it is because eating disorders have such a serious connotation to them that no one wants to be like, yeah, I'm kind of going through this serious thing right now. A lot of people just want to downplay the the difficulties that they're experiencing. They want to downplay how they've become victim to an eating disorder, how they are experiencing this awful illness. Because it is an illness. I think a lot of us just want to downplay it and... I think by us downplaying it and aestheticizing it and romanticizing it, that is maybe why it keeps happening. But ultimately, you know, when I've when I've been reflecting on all this stuff, I just I keep going back to this question of why as humans do we deep down inside let ourselves sabotage ourselves when we know what we're doing isn't right? Like if you've ever if you've ever experienced an eating disorder or you've had some type of body dysmorphia or you've started to develop a poor relationship with your food or your relationship to exercising or your body, it's like you know what you're doing isn't right, but there's something about us as humans that like we are able to push past the sabotage and continue to hurt ourselves. Like I 
this is beyond my pay grade. This is beyond my education. I don't know why as humans we do this. And it's like I was saying earlier, like why in today's world is this still a problem? Like why is this still a problem when we have so much more education at our disposal? We have so much more information at our disposal and people can recount from their firsthand experiences of dealing with an eating disorder and say, yeah, these are the things that like, these are where the initial things that I was experiencing when I was going through my eating disorder. These are the things that, um, you know, negatively impacted me when I was going through this. These are the consequences of developing an eating disorder. These are the warning signs of an eating disorder. We have all of these things at our disposal, yet we keep sabotaging ourselves. And I say we as like a society. I myself, I feel like, and I'll get into more of my personal experience now, I guess. I feel like I've had to do a lot of work to dismantle a lot of the eating disorder rhetoric that I've um, allowed myself to take in and a lot of the lies that I've told myself about my body and food and exercise um, and how I should look and how I should eat and how I should dress and how I should, um, you know, live my life. But to me, like, I don't know, I've, I've reflected a lot on what eating disorders actually are because I feel like as a society, we have we have this idea as to what eating disorders are. A lot of people just see it as like, oh, it's this like physical thing that you go through and um, a lot of like teenage girls go through it because they become insecure and then they just stop eating and um, and then you can cure it. You can go to a treatment center and then, you know, you can just gain a bunch of weight and then you'll be back to normal. You'll be good to go. But the reality of this is that eating disorders are like a drug. Perhaps there is a bit of a high when you're experiencing eating disorder, but that high is super brief and it's very fleeting. You are fed all of these lies and false promises that you will be so much happier with yourself when you're thin. Um, You'll be better liked. You'll fit into your clothes better. You'll start to receive all of this positive attention yada 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 all of these so-called positive things will come your way but here's the thing if an eating disorder is like a drug you're going to get addicted and you're never going to be satisfied that initial high it's gonna it's gonna come and go super fast and you will never experience that initial high again you will never be fully satisfied when you are under the control of an eating disorder and believe me Even when I was at my lowest weight, it still was not enough. It was still not satisfying enough for me. I constantly wanted more. I was constantly addicted to it. Everything wasn't enough. I just felt like I needed to be in more control. I was just addicted to being at the mercy of my eating disorder. I also felt like I had no clear concept as to what my body actually looked like. Like I would emphasize and focus on specific features of my body and how I could control those features and how those features would look. And by hyper fixating on my specific features, 
I lost sight of who I was as a whole person, which is very scary. I feel like that sounds like a woo-woo, very like weird out there concept to think about. But let me tell you, it's something that you go through when you're experiencing an eating disorder. Like you lose sight of who you are and how you look as a whole person. Additionally, while you are suffering mentally, your body is just going to be suffering from the inside out. So here's like one of my biggest takeaways from going through eating disorders is that they are so much more of a mental illness than they are a physical illness. You will be suffering mentally and your body will have physical reproduction or repercussions from your mental suffering. So the mental damage that you are doing to yourself is the ultimate damage. Um, but you will face some physical repercussions, if that makes sense. So it's going to be hard to see these physical damages that you're doing to yourself because a lot of it is internal and it can take a little while to show up. But believe me, there is damage being done. Things like losing your period, becoming infertile, developing osteoporosis, kidney failures, heart murmurs, the list goes on. These are all things that you are at risk of developing when you become tricked by these aesthetics, when you fall victim to the romanticization of these things. And I say this not to like scare people, but I want to bring authentic awareness to how serious eating disorders are. Like, because the garbage I see, the garbage that I saw on Tumblr when I was on Tumblr and, you know, that was, that was my thing. But now the things that I'm seeing on TikTok, which are very similar to the things I saw on Tumblr, they are not showing you the realities that, um, oh yeah, when you try to live your life like this, when when you develop this type of thing, here's the reality of your situation. It's not these like pretty sad images where we're just romanticizing pain we're romanticizing hurting ourselves, we're romanticizing being small and frail and all of this garbage, that's all a lie. It's a lie. They're not telling you the reality that your body is going to be shutting down from the inside out. All of the dreams, hopes, and aspirations that you have for your life, it's going to be really, really hard to be able to achieve those things when your body is shutting down from the inside out. And again, I say this to not scare people and I'm not saying this to like have extreme language to like, you know, get people to listen to me or whatever. I'm saying this because a lot of people need to realize the realities of these things. Eating disorders and the people who sell them to you, they are some of the biggest masterminds out there. They have found a way to trick you into thinking that an eating disorder is this thing when it is in fact not at all. They want you to think that it is this thing you should aspire towards. That like I said at the beginning of the episode, when you're thinner, you're going to be happier, you're going to be more well-liked, you're going to fit into your clothes, you're going to have this and that and all of, the, all of these things. It's a lie. It's a lie. You will never be satisfied. You're going to become so addicted to keeping up with yourself, to outdoing yourself. And the only way that you can keep outdoing yourself is by slowly, essentially killing yourself. You are going to be doing so much harm to yourself that your body is just going to be slowly shutting down. And you don't want that. Surely you don't want that. 
Like there are so many bright, talented, amazing people out there who are being stripped of their abilities because they are in the throes of an eating disorder. They are letting that be their number one priority. And this is another thing. When you are going through an eating disorder, a lot of people don't realize that your eating disorder becomes your one true love. If you have aspirations in life, if you have goals in life, if you want to be in a romantic relationship, if you want to have healthy friendships, if you want to have a good relationship with your family, heck, if you want to have a good relationship with yourself, all of that is on the back burner. Your main priority, your one true love and focus is your eating disorder. That's how addictive this thing gets. Like, I have no experience taking drugs, knowing of drug addicts personally, but things I've heard about people who are addicted to certain types of drugs is that that becomes their one true love. You become so obsessed with it. It becomes your whole world. And I feel like from what I experienced with my eating disorders, the same goes for me. I was constantly focused on what I was eating, what I wasn't eating, how I was working out, how I wasn't working out, how I looked versus how I didn't look, how people thought I looked versus how I thought I looked in the mirror. I was constantly obsessing over it. And that's scary. When you give something like that that much control over your life. And here's the sad thing. So when I was going through my like the thick of my eating disorders, I was a junior in high school. And it's really sad because my, when I look back on my junior year, majority of what I look back on and what I am reminded of is my eating disorder. I'm unfortunately not remembering a lot of the things that happened in school, the positive memories that I made during that year. I am thinking of how much I was struggling and suffering and believe me you don't want to do that with your life you don't want to wash away a year of your life because you are putting all of your time energy and attention towards fulfilling this nasty disorder so i say all that to say like guys when you are seeing this content please 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 do not fall victim for this report it swipe away block it, do whatever you have to do, because this is not something to mess with. And also, here's another thing. People are so unbelievably fickle. Once eating disorders become attainable and accessible to the masses, a new body type is just going to be treated as a trend again. That's what's sick and disgusting about this stuff, is that, you know, when people are like, oh, the BBL's out, Don't be surprised when the BBL comes back in. And that is what sickens me. I don't care if you are thin, thick, like I I, I don't care what you are. It disgusts me that people see bodies and specific body types as trends. Why in God's name can we not exist as human beings and appreciate our differences in our bodies? Why can we not, like, why can we not acknowledge the beauty in people having different body types? Why can we not appreciate someone else's body type 
if it's different than ours? Like, why can't we do that? And I just, I suggest you save yourself the hassle of all of these health problems and just really appreciate the body that you have, the the way your body is right now. And the thing is, I'm not like trying to say that people's bodies can't change. I mean, heck, if like, if you want to have kids someday, your body's going to change. I'm not anti your body changing in some capacity, in some way of your life. Like literally as you age, your body changes, your body evolves. But I am anti people unnaturally changing their bodies to where it is um, becoming a health risk, a physical and a mental health risk. I am very anti that. I understand that like with time, people's bodies can change. You might be more muscular in one season of your life. You might be, um, your weight might fluctuate in different seasons of your life. You might be, um, I don't know, like your weight might carry differently in different parts of your life. Or I'm sorry, your weight might carry itself differently in different parts of your life. I'm not anti that because it's a natural thing. And we don't talk enough about the natural ways our bodies change over the course of our life. We love to hyperfixate on like, you know, this is what's in. So everybody must drop everything they're doing and try to attain this look. Again, as if our bodies are like inanimate objects, as if our bodies are like fashion trends. It's ridiculous. And, you know, on this podcast, I talk a lot about how I think it's important to develop your personal fashion style and staying true to how you want to dress. I think the same can and should be said about our bodies. While our screwed up society continues to perpetuate these unhealthy, ever-changing standards, why don't we all just work together against them? and focus on having a healthy, positive, natural outlook on our bodies. Uh, to me, I think that's the way to go. That is the best best way we can progress in the future. Is like, you know, while people are like, yeah, fashion trends are cool. I like to dabble with different trends, but ultimately, I rely on my personal style. I have my own personal style that I am proud of, and I dress the way I want to dress because this is a reflection of who I am as a person. Why can't we get to a point with our bodies, like get to that point with our bodies where we're like, yeah, my arms are this shape. My thighs are this size. My stomach looks like this. My butt looks like this. I have this type of feature that other people don't have. I am this type of height. Uh, My feet are this type of size. My hands look like this. My skin looks like this. Why can't we just embrace our own uniqueness? Why do we constantly have to or desire to be carbon copies of one another? It's ridiculous. It's We all know it's a facade. We all know we're hurting ourselves. We all know we're putting ourselves through these like uncomfortable great lengths to just achieve something that ultimately like you will never be satisfied you will never be satisfied, truly. It just, it saddens me to see things like this become popular again. 
it's so it's so incredibly sad so i urge you all to really do some soul searching really reflect on the types of content you're consuming the way in which you view yourself the way in which you view others and try to develop a healthier relationship with your body and how you just see bodies in general because here's the other thing that people don't want to talk about this is a hot take not a hot take this is like a you know it's um it's not a good take it's not a good it's it's not a good thing when when you have an eating disorder and it pains me to admit this but i want to be fully honest with you all when you have an eating disorder you become incredibly excuse me incredibly fat phobic you do you do you are incredibly judgmental of other people's bodies of the way other people eat of the way other people exercise or don't exercise the way that people live their life and that is disgusting disgusting you become so incredibly judgmental because you're projecting you're projecting your own insecurities on other people do you really want to live like that i don't think so I really don't think so. But again, this is my point of how scary and powerful eating disorders are. Your brain chemistry alters. Your outlook on the world and on yourself and on other people completely alters. You become, you can become petrified of certain foods. And like, that sounds so bizarre. To someone who hasn't experienced an eating disorder. But truly, you can become like absolutely petrified of certain foods. I'm not kidding. I, one of my biggest fears, I guess you could call it an irrational fear, is snakes. I hate snakes. They are so incredibly scary to me. Like the thought of a snake, the sight of a snake freaks me out. And I'm not kidding you. When I was going through the throes of my eating disorder, something like bread was just as scary to me as snakes were scary to me. Is that not insane? Like, that is so insane to me. Bread, milk, um, even if it was almond milk. I'm not kidding. Like, this stuff, it sounds so ridiculous, but this is, like, just how scary and powerful these things are. And no one wants to tell you this stuff because... It rips off the rose-colored glasses. It, it ruins the facade that is, you know, being thin, having an eating disorder. People being concerned about you. People showing attention to you. It's gross. You do not want to aspire towards this. Because here's the thing, an- another thing too, and I'm sorry, I'm going to wrap this up because I've been like, you know, talking a lot. Um, A lot of people think that like an eating disorder can just be a few months in your life maybe a year a couple years and then you move on no once you fall victim to this thing once you are you are then going to have to learn how to manage it the rest of your life it's like again i don't have first hand experience with this so i'm sorry if you do and my um, comparison is a little off but it's like when i hear people talk about um having addictions to alcohol and drugs and they have to 
go through programs to become sober and they try to maintain their sobriety. A lot of people are learning to manage their addiction. They are learning to manage life without being in the extremes of their addiction. And I think the same thing goes for eating disorders. The thoughts of the negative thoughts of how you view yourself, how you view food, how you view exercise, it's unfortunate that, that won't fully go away. But you as a person have to take take serious steps to learn how to manage that. And I can attest that thankfully I've gotten to a point where I feel like I have a much healthier, better relationship with my body, with food, with exercise, with how I view others, with how I view myself. And that's great. But I'm not going to lie to you and say that there aren't times when I still struggle. And if you've listened to my previous episode when I talked about my um, my personal health, I've had orthorexia, anorexia, and binge eating disorder. So I've been on all sides of the spectrum of an eating disorder, which is very, it's very hard um, living life after you've been in those extreme periods because it's like, Sometimes you can struggle with being very restrictive and then sometimes you can struggle with being um, too obsessed with food, like consuming too much, like an unhealthy amount of it. And then other times you obsess over like um, the quote cleanliness or like certain types of food, certain food seems like it's good or bad. Like it's, it's very hard. It's, it's incredibly hard but I have gotten to a place where I've learned to manage it. It's taken a lot of work, a lot of time, and I still have to put in the work for it. It's something that like I doubt I will ever stop at, which sucks. It sucks. So again, this just further proves my point of Take my advice. This is not something that you want to mess with. This is not a road that you want to go down just because Kim Kardashian looks this way, Bella Hadid looks this way, Khloe Kardashian looks this way, such and such person looks this way. Forget them. I don't care if they do have an eating disorder or if they don't have an eating disorder. Regardless of how they look, regardless of what content you're seeing on TikTok, regardless of the fantasy and the lies that you are being sold, forget it. Your personal health and happiness should be the only thing that matters at the end of the day. It's going to be really hard for you to achieve all the greatness that I know you can achieve and that you are destined to achieve when you are in the throes of this nasty addiction. So enough of all of this garbage. I'm so sick and tired of it. And I will never shy away from speaking out and calling out this stupidity. I pray that TikTok and I pray that publications and influential people get a bit of a reality check and realize that profiting off of people's insecurities and not doing enough to dismantle these types of things, it's it, enough is enough. We can't keep doing this. It's not worth it. These are people's lives at stake. People's 
mental and physical well-beings are at stake. It's sick and twisted that someone would try to profit off of that. Someone would try to prey upon and perpetuate insecurities. It's gross. I'm fed up with it. And um, I just hope that if you've listened this whole way through the episode, maybe you've, I don't know, taken away something from this episode, something positive, or maybe you agree with me or disagree with me. I don't know. I'm open to discourse on this. I'm no pro, no expert. I don't claim to be an expert at this. Like I said, I've just had firsthand experience with this. And upon my own reflection of what I've gone through and the way I've seen people talk about eating disorders or, you know, diet cultures and fads and whatnot, I have formed my own judgment, or not judgments, I form my own opinions on these things. And um, I feel like it would behoove me to share them. So, like I said, like, I, I hate having to talk about this, or I hate that I feel like I have to talk about this, or I should talk about this, but this is where our culture is right now. This is unfortunately a thing that a lot of people are talking about and I fear going through. Um, so I hope if anything, you're able to take something positive away from this episode. If you feel like it would benefit someone, you know, um, if you share it with them, amazing, do that. If you have um, things that you think I got wrong or things that you would like to further discuss about this, I'm open to it. You can DM me on my social media if you want to. I'll have it linked in the description of this episode. But yeah, I just wanted to talk about this, reflect on this a little bit because it is something very important. So with that, um, thank you for listening to the entirety of this episode. I know it's very long. Um, but I hope that you take care of yourself during this holiday season. Enjoy quality time with loved ones. Enjoy quality time with yourself. Take time for yourself. Enjoy doing something fun, making good memories. Um, you know, taking care of your physical state, your mental state, emotional state, rest, recharge, eat good food, spend time with good people, watch a good movie. I don't know. Have fun. Um, but yeah. I will catch you guys in the next episode. And as always, thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.